Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey, Ray, how you feeling? You know... When the temperatures drop and we get that winter feeling things, it really affects me more. That's when I get that aching in my bones. But I found that CBD and medicinal together can take care of the majority of my aches and pains. The ones that, you know, you have every day as you age, but also the ones that you get from all those activities of taking care of business in the fall. No kidding. I've been doing a lot of raking because we have so many old trees around our house that you rake one day and then two days later... The yard's filled up with leaves again. And that's why we're happy to have One CBD as our sponsor. Go to OneCBD.com. That's O-N-E-C-B-D.com. Or follow them on at OneCBDLife on Twitter. And you can find out about all the aspects of what One CBD does to help you with your pain. One of the things that I like the most, Marcus, is that everything they purchase to be used in their CBD is 100% organically grown hemp, free from pesticides and fertilizers, and that's important. I also like the fact that they're third-party lab tested and made in the USA. And they know how to take care of business when it comes to your pain. At 1CBD, O-N-E-C-B-D.com. Achieve a renewed sense of balance. We're back on what is essentially birthday twins number three, right? We started with uh, Keith and Bobby, and they were the first one. And then we kind of melded birthday twins to sibling rivalries with uh, Dave Davies from the Kinks and Melanie. And here we are, and it's a double trouble. It's good trouble, but it's double trouble on the imbalanced history of rock and roll and birthday twins. And this is an unlikely pairing because they came of age and became rock stars in different eras, right? That's kind kind of a big thing that surprised me. I know the fact that they were born the same day and their impact on rock and roll was a decade apart and maybe even a little longer because yeah, one of them... Yeah, their impact is even longer. Because now, even, AC, even now, ACDC continues to make music. We just got word this week about a new album, right? Uh, yeah. Coming out. So. Well, they were all seen in Vancouver last November, last December, around a studio and there were a few yeah, pictures oh, I know, taken. I know, I the whole thing yep. in minutes I have to. It's our job, man. Yes, it we is. We have to know where they are. If Angus farts, we need to know. And I'm 
glad that I kept saying we're going to get new music from them in 2020. I kept saying it at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, man, those vibes and the fact that they seem to have uh, healed their wounds. And uh, was it the drummer who got busted and was under all of the uh, crime watch for the drugs and the crazy stuff down in Australia? Yeah. And he's actually, he was with them as well, so. Yep, Phil Rudd is in, Cliff Williams is in, and of course we all know that Brian Johnson's in. And the reason, can we get around to the reason that Brian Johnson became the voice of ACDC back yes. in 1980? One of the most amazing years in rock and roll. It's because of the death of Ronald Belford Bon Scott. He was born the same day as his birthday twin, Bon was born in Scotland, July 9, 1946. And then Mitch Mitchell, who, of course, is famous, most famous, for his time in the Jimi Hendrix experience. He was born so, in Middlesex. <laughs> he was born John Graham Mitch Mitchell. Mitch was kind of his uh, showbiz name, I guess you'd say, you know. And it's funny that he started out with Georgie Fame and the Blue Flames, and he ended up playing with a guy who was named Jimmy James with a band called the Blue Flames when he met <laughs> Hendrix. I wonder when they talked, like in the pub one night. So you played in the Blue Flames? Yeah, yeah. I had a band called the Blue Flames. You what? <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine I thought about that, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that's one of those funny coincidences. Mitch Mitchell, man, boy, did he have an impact on their sound. Jimmy as we know was a force of nature but man Mitch Mitchell playing the jazz style drums at a heavier faster pace with his own trying to play along to Jimmy and uh, try to keep up <laughs> seriously he took his drumming I'm sure to the next level very quickly but Jim liked him and then I think he competed with somebody else for the drummer job with the experience and he won it on a coin toss that's a strange bit of fates because we talked about two sides of the same fake coin at times. Mm -hmm. That's strange. I didn't know that there was a flip of the coin to get him in. Here's another weird one. Bon Scott. First off, he got his name Bon because there was already another Ronald in their school, and he was from Scotland. He was that bunny from Scotland. So this is after his family moved to Australia. So that's where he got the Bon name. His dad was Chick. His name's Charles, but they called him Chick. And his mother, check this out, Issa, is Isabel Cunningham Mitchell. Now, I'm sure there's no relation. Whoa. You know, Mitchell's a common name coming from England and Australia and Scotland and what have you. But there's Mitchells on both sides of the birthday twins here. That's pretty cool. Look at all these, I think, are going to be the most coincidental things about these two and their paths crossing. Because it doesn't seem like from the research that we've yep. been able to do, like the second episode, we will be talking about Taylor Hawkins and Billy Joe Armstrong and their paths crossing and some of the ties that they have, but I couldn't find anything with Mitch and Bond. Other you know, than... we didn't even mention the fact that there's a second half to this because it's a double episode of Birthday Twins. But yeah, we're going to go with some younger guys in the second half of the episode who were born on the same day in the same year. Dude, these two are like so similar. There's so much about them where their lives are. They, they're not like intersecting, but they're running kind of in the same direction. And because of Mitch being in England and there being such a hotbed and mm -hmm. him working with Georgie and everything that was going on in the UK, he gets to the starting line sooner. But when the Hendrix experience finishes and he continues to do stuff and, and play and collaborate, but never at the level that he was part of in the Jimi Hendrix experience. Meanwhile, Ronald is trying to find his way through life and he's living down under. <laughs> and in his own way, you mentioned how he was doing kind of the jazz drums with
with the heavy hits and all the sonic improvements for yeah. heavy rock. Well, Bond was kind of doing the same thing with rock and roll, taking the traditional approach to singing, but you turn it up and then you lean on it. And when you combine that with the Young Brothers and the other guys in ACDC, you know, you're rocking the rock pile out there. There was a friend of mine on murder And the judge's gavel fell Jory found him guilty Gave him 16 years in hell He said, I ain't spending my life here Having been to that part of Australia, I can tell you that Newcastle in those days, holy shit, I can't imagine what it was like. You've been to Australia? I did a long weekend trip in the industry with a bunch of nut jobs that we could do a podcast about sometime. It's really funny. It's a really funny story. We went to Newcastle to see the band that we were going to see, the Screaming Jets. I and mean, that's why I said what I said about Newcastle. I can't imagine what it was like in the 60s and 70s. And that's eventually where they came out of, where they made their bones in ACDC. That's just crazy. Also, the fact that ACDC was in Australia meant that it was going to take a little while longer yeah. for it to reach because they didn't have the 24-7 Insta technology that we have now. And I think there are people that may have a hard time wrapping their head around it. But, I mean, really, they didn't even have fax machines in the early days of ACDC. In the, not in when the he was Hendrix in the Spectres era. and the Certainly Valentines, no. Unless you were military, you didn't have any of that stuff. You had to send telegrams and shit like that. And that involved a lot of different technology, kids, that you may not be familiar with. Horseback. For another time. <laughs> but, 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 but you see, though, like it's almost like... Mitch gets the early start with George and the Flames, right? And yeah. then he comes in with Hendrix, and he does a few things after that, but not that much. And he kind of stops and slows down, loses momentum, just as uh, ACDC is kicking in and what Bond, Scott, and ACDC do through, well, he, he joined in 74. And from there forward, they were game changers. We've defined on the podcast Rock and Roll Hall of Famers who come along and make things different from before they were there. And that's absolutely ACDC. What you're doing is building off of the bases formed from Sabbath and Zeppelin, Deep Purple and some of the others. But what ACDC did... The schoolboy disguise, the whole nine yards, mm -hmm. the attitude, the insane energy, that came from the combination of them. A lot of people think it just came from Angus because they weren't following them in the early days. Those guys were like high-voltage charged fist in the face. Absolutely. And and I still think they were that when I saw them in the 80s, Marcus. I don't know about today. I got to go see them this time around. I miss them, and I miss them. They're great guys. Mm. And uh, I never met Bond, but boy, I'll tell you what. feel like I know him. You know these guys a little bit. And I would have given anything to have a night in the ruts with Bond Scott. I don't know about you, uh, man. That would be you, awesome. You think you could have survived a night in the ruts with Bond Scott? No! I mean, <laughs> seriously. They were a wild bunch. You're right. And the way you describe their energy is perfect because you put all of those different balls of fire together and you get this massive head-pounding explosion of dirty, sexy rock and roll. It's hard drinking, dirty, sexy rock and roll is what it is. Hard partying, fast living, dirty, sexy rock and roll. And, and when Bon Scott loses his life because of that, mm -hmm. not a surprise to people. We weren't surprised. It, 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 was, it was shocking at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he wasn't that old. He was a younger guy. But what happens to those, and we've talked about it in our personal lives, people we've known and we talked about the rock stars about when you get to the point where you're drinking that much something's going to happen and it's not good not usually what fun you think you're
you're having, something bad's going to happen. Now, didn't he pass about the time John Bonham and Keith Moon in that whole area, 79, 80? Well, he died in 1980. It was the beginning of the sessions for what would eventually become Back in Black. A few days later, when he died, everyone in the world thought, well, that's it for them. That band is the way they are. How are they going to do this? How's it ever going to be possible? Little did they know that they'd already made contact. They already knew Brian Johnson to some degree. Didn't know him well, but they knew of him. He was in Geordie. He was in a, a band that people knew. The car mechanic by day. And the fact that they were already underway on the album, that they probably had a different plan for it. Some of the songs were already there, like Have a Drink on Me and uh, Let Me Put My Love Into You, which I just love that title. <laughs> so some of the material was there and some of it was fleshed out once they got Brian in. But the fact that they were able to find someone who could step up and lead their band forward and then get the album out within the year. Some people said it was cold at the time to do that. Some people also said that they probably had anticipated a possible situation like this. And what we've learned through the years, Marcus, is that they're survivors, ACDC. People have come and people have gone. People come back on multiple occasions, as we have now. Phil Rudd and Cliff Williams returning. But whatever the scenario, ACDC manages to keep it together and move forward. It was shocking that they survived. But there were also a lot of conspiracies about Back in Black and how that was Bon Scott lyrics that he wrote all of them and he should have been credited for them. And Well, here's the thing. There's definitely a case for fact that songs were written and being worked on. We were just talking about that. We've seen True. that in anecdotal evidence and we've heard the guys talk about it in interviews. But the fact of the matter is they finished an album and they made it. How they handled the business part, the copywriting of the songs and publishing and all that stuff, that is public information that people can look at. If it's not correct, that's clearly the case with some of it. But here they are, still connected, Marcus. And I thought it was an unusual pairing when I discovered it because one is like an iconic drummer of the 60s and psychedelia and the other is a bad boy, you know, set on destruction yeah. for Highway to Hell, TNT, high voltage, all of it. Destruction and sex and booze. <laughs> Uh, not too many pictures of Bon Scott on stage with a shirt on, on while he's performing. Uh, notice that, you know, he's a man who loved to show his chest. Now we know where Danzig got his influence. <laughs> it is the imbalance history of rock and roll and uh, part one of this week's episode. It's a two-part Birthday Twins episode. Part one is about Mitch Mitchell and Bon Scott, both born on the same day. And the fact that they were such different musical styles, their differences born of different styles and different eras of coming of age as artists, too. Interesting stuff. We're learning. We learn so much here, man. We really do, because we know that you guys are pretty knowledgeable because you tell us when we're not on the point. And I think that's important, too. Yeah, it's part of what we something, we please. This. Yeah, it's, it's simple as you you would send a text to somebody, hey, asshole, da-da-da-da-da, if you were t you know talking to them. But you can just send <laughs> us an email if we get something wrong at imbalancedhistory at gmail.com. I think this birthday twins thing has some mileage to it, man. We're starting to discover more and more pairings. And the next one we want to talk about are two guys, really the 90s generation of rockers. I mean, Green Day started before that. And, Late uh, 80s. Yeah is that you've got two bands that came of age, really became the leaders in the 90s. So what do you say we grab a beer, 
And look at how these two guys were part of Rock's leadership, if you will, in the 90s and move forward. And uh, it's, it's interesting. Every time we discover a birthday twin, there's always some kind of different aspect to them from some of the other ones. So Yeah, this one is going to be fun to talk about because of the fact that they have so many ties together. The fact that they're actually good friends. And we know that from what we've learned over the years being in the business. Mitch Mitchell. Bon Scott, Birthday Twins, Part 1, pausing for the cause that refreshes and coming back with Part 2. On Birthday Twins number 3, have I got them all confused now, Marcus? No, you got it right. That is correct. Birthday Twins number 3. On the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll next. And when I have a thirst that needs quenching, Marcus, you know I'd love to go to Crooked Eye Brewery right there in the heart of Hapro at York and Montgomery. A great place to go. Great people. And most importantly, fresh, delicious craft brews brewed right there on the premises by the one and only Jeff Mulherin. He is creative, man. He's made some pretty darn good beers over the time that they've been sponsoring us because I've had the pleasure of tasting quite a few. And I really like what he's doing with beer. And I love the environment and the atmosphere at Crooked Eye because you have live music. They have a turntable yeah. so you can play vinyl. And they have a very healthy set of vinyl. And and they have a jukebox now. They found it old jukebox that somebody what? was getting rid of and so they're and it's stocked with great old 45s boy they just keep adding to it and making it more and more appealing it's great what they're doing there and i want to talk to you about the brews went in recently and had a pint of the crooked ipa and i don't know what he's doing but man it tasted better than ever so new stuff for the season new stuff always but the standard crooked eye brews still tasting great always fresh right there in hapro and you know what else is really cool because they don't serve food they've got food trucks coming yeah more and more get all the info on their facebook crooked eye brewery and online at crookedeyebrewery.com serving the cure for what ails you since 2014 crooked eye Boy, after that cold pint, I am ready to talk about our next birthday, Twins. Ray, how about you? Me too, and it's a pair that's born in a different decade than we usually talk about when it comes to birthday twins, right? True. We're going younger, younger than the both of us even. And what? I know, but from the 90s forward, these two cats have had a huge impact on rock and roll with their bands and some of the side projects that they've done and some of the collaborations that they've done, as well as some of the other all-around good people things that they've done. And there's a lot of connections here, so I'm really excited to jump into it and we will start ray by going to february 17th 1972 these two crazy rock and roll kids were born on the same date when i heard that i found that i went what exactly i was surprised just like you but we knew that this would be a humdinger of an episode because yeah. of who they are <laughs> Uh, all I'm going to say is we have spent part of our birthday twins exploration so far asking the question, we wonder if these two know each other or ever met or ever did anything different. Or And when it comes to Billy Joe and Taylor, the answer is, fuck, you better believe it. Yeah. Billy Joe was born in California, right? Yeah. And and Green Day was formed up around the Berkeley area. Yeah, they're, right? they're Northern California, Oakland band, San right. Francisco band, Berkeley. And where 
Where was uh, Taylor Hawkins born? I can't remember that. Fort Worth, Texas. No shit. Yeah, he's a Texan. So he, he ends up where? California? Yeah, Southern California. He was a touring drummer for Alanis Morissette. Oh, wow. I did not know so that. He was playing a lot, and then after touring through, I think he got noticed by Dave Grohl during that time with the Alanis Morissette, because right after he did the touring with Alanis Morissette is when he joined the Foo Fighters uh, about... 96, 97. And he's... I remember when he joined, and I was thinking, well, if he's any good, then at least that'll free Dave up to do more of the front work as a guitar player and a singer, right? All I heard of here was one song, and I was like, well, fuck, glad they got him in because now Dave can be Dave. Here's something I did find. Did you know Taylor Hawkins wrote a song about an infamous night? He was out on the town with Rivers Cuomo, guys from the Foos, and Billy Joe Armstrong. Yes. And I guess it's called Tokyo No-No. It was in the uh, mid-90s when they were touring, so it was during their younger single crazy years. They were out. They were they were young, dumb, and full of cum, and having a great old time. And they had money in their pockets, and they could do whatever they want. And, and you can find the whole story online. But it's all about an infamous night in Tokyo where they were all out on the town. It's one of those things I just found, like just immediately popping up when I started looking around here. And so I started marking. I got a whole file full of stuff that I marked. But that's the kind of stuff we looked for connections between, say, Date Davis and Melanie. Couldn't find anything. Here's connections. You kidding? He wrote a fucking song about the other guys. You know, and their friends. Their tour mates. They've played uh, countless festivals together. Yes. Countless. So let's not cross the line of they shared wine and women together, but you know what I'm saying there. <laughs> I have no idea what they did, but I guess I'll have to re-listen to Tokyo No-No to find out. There you go. Good starting point. <laughs> but, so here's two birthday twins who definitely have a direct connection. They really do. And they've played together. They're friends. They've been in the music scene together for almost 30 years if you really think about it well they have yeah and to come to think of it i saw taylor hawkins play with alanis morissette when she released that debut record of hers when i was working at a station in denver sweet i didn't know that's where he came from i knew that once i started researching it's probably right. one of those factoids that we learned that didn't stick because Doink. yeah we've learned a ton of stuff over the years working in the business and uh he's a great drummer he's a heck of a guy he's had some battles with addiction both he and billy joe armstrong have had battles with addiction and sobriety and they're doing great good 
And I actually have been very lucky to have a little brief 90-second conversation with Taylor Hawkins when the Foo Fighters played our birthday year backstage. We talked to everybody in the band, and he was really nice. We talked a little bit about music and just about hanging out and enjoying life and making the most of every day. It was really cool, and he was really down to earth. Well, I think if you're going to work with Grohl, you kind of got to be. Now, this is pre-sobriety, but there's a really funny story I also found about when I was looking for stuff to talk about about these two birthday twins. And when I realized, I should have known, but I, when I realized the, how close Green Day and Foo Fighters got from time to time, I should have known there was a story that ends with Dave Grohl revealing about his mom drinking with Green Day backstage when he came off from the opening slot. That's how early on it was for the Foos, I guess. <laughs> he goes, my mother is such a badass. I have the cool mom. And like I said, she was a public school teacher for 35 years. They're the heroes, these public school teachers. They're amazing. They really are. It's true. It's a specific type of person to be a really good teacher. And you got to be the same kind of person, the really good person to be able to hang with your son's rock star compadres <laughs> hanging out backstage. And uh, Dave comes off and there's Ma drinking with the boys, you know. And I just think that's a great story and shows how close Hawkins and Armstrong are. And you know they know that they're birthday twins. You know that's probably where that Tokyo No-No came from. Oh, yeah. It was a night when there was their, one of their their birthdays and they were on the road together in a foreign country. You know that could get out of hand real quick. Oh, heck yeah. When you've got label people from the other countries and uh, tour people from the other countries giving you the tours of the city, you bet it gets out of hand quickly. I also found, and it was great doing the research on their connections, Billy Joe Armstrong, when the Foo Fighters and Green Day were playing Reading Festival, Billy Joe Armstrong dedicated the song Waiting to Taylor Hawkins. Sweet. So they go back and forth, and I'm sure that they've, like, when they go on tour and when they see each other at shows and stuff, they pull practical jokes on each other that are just off the charts and crazy. They're the kind of things that I think are missing in rock and roll more these days, especially at the most recent times during the COVID pandemic where not a whole lot's going on. I say when things get back to the relative normal to move forward, more chicanery, more craziness on and backstage is required. I agree. That's just my two cents. We need more shenanigans. Oh, and you guys, yeah. have to, you guys have to punk the crowd a little bit more, too, when they start going back to concerts. Punk yeah. the crowd if you're in a band. Also, I found this really, really cool fact. It ties the Foo Fighters and Billy Joe Armstrong even closer. You know how Dave Grohl knows how to chew gum and sing at the same time, and he's a master at it? So I've heard, and I, re I was reading about that too. He taught Billy Joe Armstrong how to do it. It's a style thing. It's the sing with the gum in your mouth, and then you keep it somewhere, and then when you're walking across the stage playing a rhythm guitar part, you chew it, obviously, in a way that everyone knows you're chewing gum, and then you go back to singing, and you don't spit it out. You don't choke on it, and it is an art form, and it was apparently passed down by his own admission. Billy Joe said he learned this from Dave Grohl. So, you know, here's one half of the birthday twins revealing something about the partner of the other half. This is maybe the other than the brothers involved, and maybe Keith and Bobby. This is so far the closest non-blood connections that we're finding in rock and roll amongst birthday twins. And like we've both said, they're both great bands. Both of them are important in the history of rock and roll. Both of them have had a huge impact in rock and roll. Yep. And it's kind of cool that they're so tied together as well through the musical bond and just through how their career paths have gone. And continue to be intertwined. A most recent example
example being Grohl and Armstrong, who have both been busy beavers while uh, everyone's been in lockdown. Billy Joe releasing music with his kids, backing them up, and some stuff with uh, Green Day. But the two of them doing living room shows delivered as a benefit to raise money for the front lines in battling coronavirus during the pandemic. These are the kind of things that only people who really love and respect each other as artists and musicians do because it's the person you want to sit next to. It's kind of like in, in war, the guy you want next to you in the foxhole, so to speak. And with musicians doing what they can to stay active and to deliver, in this case, raising money for those who need PPE on the front lines, those kind of things. It's great to see it when uh, two people step up anyhow. And the fact that they fit perfectly into this episode of Birthday Twins on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll is just a bonus. Totally a huge bonus. Well, we're talking about a lot of the, the incidents and the coincidence of all this stuff, but you know, the music that both of these guys have been a part of, the music of Green Day, the music of the Foo Fighters, and you gotta look at these two guys, both born on a February day in 1972. Together, they kind of had a whole lot of fun, and I'm sure that February 17th date gets celebrated whenever they're in each other's company. I can only imagine their birthday parties when they're together. I bet they're off the hook crazy. I bet you it's Tokyo No-No. I bet you if we dig deeper, we're gonna find that it's the Tokyo Tokyo No-No. Research department, we're almost to the end of the episode. Maybe for an update for next week or the week beyond. we got to find out if that's the Tokyo No-No. Totally. Alright. Well, this has been fun. Anytime we dig into birthday twins, we always find out stuff because either the people are totally connected like these two, Billy Joe Armstrong and Taylor Hawkins, or really not connected at all like Mitch Mitchell and Bon Scott. But there you have it. Birthday twins nonetheless celebrated here on the podcast. If we missed anything on these uh, birthday twins episode between Mitch Mitchell and Bon Scott or Taylor Hawkins and Billy Joe Armstrong, feel free to shoot us an email, imbalancedhistory at gmail.com. You can also hit us on our Facebook page, The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll on Twitter, Imbalanced Histo. And by now, you should be able to find us on Instagram as well at The Imbalanced History Really? Because I'm having a problem finding us. <laughs> we're there. We're there, <laughs> and we're going to start popping the videos worry. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my, my, my videos. Okay, gotcha. But again, you know, yeah, feedback. reach out and let us know about these things because you know yeah. what? We're also uh, looking into other episodes of Birthday Twins. And if you got anything you want to add in that point, anytime, you can always email us anytime and check out all the episodes on imbalancedhistory.com. Our website. And again, you know, I'm sure that if you've seen Green Day or the Foo Fighters at festivals over the years, you may have seen the each other pop up on each other's stages and if you have any experiences like that as well share them because again these are two friends that are born on the same day who raise a lot of hell together and have a lot of fun doing what they absolutely love to do in that regard they're like us although they make a few (laughs) dollars more at it (laughs) a lot more (laughs) signing off from the dark doc media studios i'm ray coop i'm marcus in the darkest and we'll get you on the next episode of the imbalance history of rock and roll. Oh.